with Morgan streaking. She's chipping the goalkeeper. The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across him. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. You are listening to episode 42 of Give and Go. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Of course, for all the latest and greatest news, analysis, lifestyle pieces, ways that you can better your game and become more knowledgeable about the game of women's soccer, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com. Check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network and on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. We also have a YouTube channel. Girls Soccer Network. Check us out in all platforms, guys. Uh, also, very, very important, this podcast. Please share, subscribe, leave a review. We are constantly looking for feedback on how we can improve this experience for you, provide better content for you. So please drop us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever that may be. Wherever you feel most comfortable, please drop us a line. Before we get into a rundown, I want to take a minute to talk about Scratch Labs and their great products. We're excited to be promoting a company that has been helping cyclists achieve their endurance goals for years. Now they're doing it for soccer players on the field, and during these hot months, that is super, super important. Scratch Labs uses real food to create sports nutrition that athletes actually want to use. Their products taste better and feel better because they have no artificial sweeteners, isolates, colors, or preservatives that might cause GI distress to simply help athletes perform better, and they're really tasty. They've got it all too, from electrolyte drink mixes and recovery drinks to bars, energy chews. Scratch Labs has a full pantry of sports nutrition products available. The GSN community will receive 25% off on all Scratch Labs products with the code GSN2021. So be sure to go to scratchlabs.com and check it out. And that's Scratch Labs, S-K-R-A-T-C-H. Scratch with a K, not a C. Scratchlabs.com. Go check it out, guys. All right, a rundown of today's podcast. First, U.S. Women's National Team, the send-off series, plus their road to the gold medal. All of that we're going to get into. Plus, an interview with Savannah McCaskill, one of the stars of Racing Louisville. That was a huge get for us. We are very, very excited to have her on. And then, of course, we have NWSL action. A lot of major news coming out of the league in spite of what the U.S. Women's National Team is doing. So we've got a lot to get to. Let's get right to it. The send-off series, two 4-0 wins over Mexico. I don't think you can ask for much better. Uh, handled their business, really, and looked like they were on a whole nother level. Um, just on another plane altogether. <laughs> and then the other thing, Tobin Heath is back. Tobin Heath is back. Like, this is... I don't think any of us were expecting this at all. Not not one bit were we expecting her to come on to the pitch this soon. Um, coming off that injury that she had that was deemed a pretty serious injury at Manchester United. So clearly she used this time well. Took the time off that she needed to t- take. And uh, it looks to be exactly what she needed. Because within 52 seconds after coming onto the field, she scores spectacularly from long distance. As only Tobin Heath can do. You know that's 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 just what she is. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see how Vlatko plays these starting lineups. Um, I'm sure he's going to rotate throughout the tournament. Like we're not going to see the same lineup all the way through. Some players are going to get an opportunity to experience the moment being and playing in an Olympics. Um, but yeah, I think you know Tobin Heath adds so much to this team it's i mean how much more can we really say about what she means not just from a skill level but her mentality and her desire and passion to win and that fiery energy you just need to have that around and so for tobin heath 
it's great to see her back amongst the goals. And, of course, she made the roster and, and validated every decision that, that Vladko had made to, to take her because it, it looked great. And then, of course, scored in the second game as well. So 2-2, two and two, um, you really can't ask for much more. Uh, the first game also had... Mua sister sharing an incredible moment, uh, which was really cool. Uh, Christy getting it over to Sam. She dispatches it into the far right corner. And then a little chest bump afterwards. Apparently they they what they talked before the game. If if we do end up scoring, one of us ends up scoring, the other has to uh, initiate a chest bump, and that's exactly what happened. Pretty cool moment there between the between the Mua sisters, who again, of course, are going to the Olympics as well. Um, second game was more interesting because, again, you just beat the same team 4-0. How are you going to come out in this one and do things differently? And we heard the broadcasters kind of touch on the fact that um, they were going to come out with a different scenario mentality-wise. That they, we have to assume that they're down a goal and you have five minutes to go and you're just going to press for that goal. And just watching them in that 3-4-3 attack the way that they just pressed Mexico and got that initial goal it was it was amazing to see it was truly truly amazing to see so I love what what Vladko is doing with with the team and how he is like really trying to cover every single one of the bases here He's truly trying to make sure that we have every single scenario covered. Now, Mexico doesn't give you the best chance to work on everything, right? Um, but, or they don't give you the chance to really simulate a tougher opponent and do the same things. But to be able to do it against Mexico, I think, um, is still highly beneficial for this team. That goal that was, was disallowed, um, that way. <laughs> I I, I want to say like that was that's almost the, the the biggest problem or talking point from this whole send off series was just how good that goal was. Almost everyone on the team touched the ball. It came from back to front, switched to fields. Um, the pass from Tobin Heath to press was immaculate, and somehow she was ruled off sides. I think when you see the replay again, part of it is literally just press is that fast that from the time the ball is played like the second that ball was kicked you could tell press is just taking off and she's just almost so fast that you know the sideline ref almost couldn't see her and you know by the time she looks over and and picks her head up oh press is ahead she's you know she's ahead of the uh behind the defender too soon and raises her flag or you know, that was such a crazy moment. But seeing that goal was unlike anything I've ever seen in the game before. The way those passes connected, uh, it's been a while since you've seen that level of, of team play. Just go from one pass to another connecting pass to another connecting pass so seamlessly and flawlessly. That was beautiful, beautiful combination play. Um, so, you know, I really think... The U.S. Women's National Team are in great shape, getting ready to go to the Olympics to Tokyo, and you know we're gonna get we're gonna get to the uh, the tournament in a bit, and and the the groups and the teams and all that. But first, gotta take a wanted to take a minute to actually talk about the U.S. Women's National Team jerseys. Now, I gotta say, certainly a mixed a mixed bag, mixed reviews. Some people love them, some people hate them. I know we have a lot of people at GSN who love them um i would like to say that i would want to be one of those people as well but i'm gonna be 100 percent honest i do not like them i think there is way too much going on with um with the red and the blue i really wish they could just keep it simple like a nice a nice clean white kit just keep it simple you know but there still are some really redeeming cool things about this jersey that we wanted to tell you about kind of the meaning behind the stars and stripes kit this is straight from i believe the u.s women's national team website the stars and stripes kit features a mazy pattern of red and blue that not only jumps out at you but will also surely have opponents feeling dizzy yes <laughs> Nike says the jersey, which is inspired by a waving flag, is made from at least 75% recycled polyester and attempts to mimic the on-pitch energy of the iconic U.S. men's and women's national teams. The U.S. women's national team debuted the kit during 
the summer series against Nigeria in Austin, Texas, in that brand new stadium. That must have been a cool event. But again, the key point here is, right, the U.S. women's national team jerseys are meant to be representative of the fans, a waving flag, and then also great for the environment, 75% recycled polyester. Um, so again, they're they're protecting, they're doing things the right way with this kit. So I think, you know, we are going to have, we're going to be seeing a lot of it. You're not going to see me wearing one, okay? But wherever you fall, right? I, again, I have friends who, who love it, and they've already bought jerseys, and it's not going to be me personally. But, again, I, I, I look, I don't hate them, but I don't like them, all right? I'm going to just keep, I'm going to just leave it at that. I will leave it at that, okay? <laughs> all right, we got the jerseys. We got to the jerseys, now we move to the road through the Olympics. Of course, it shouldn't be a surprise to many, we open up against Sweden uh, in Tokyo. That's obviously the toughest matchup that this team's going to have. We know, for the most part, how it's going to go, too. I think Sweden is going to use their defensive style. They're going to make the match as ugly as they possibly can. Um, and the longer the match goes um, at nil-nil, or if Sweden can nab that first goal, the easier it'll be for them to sit back and really keep this lead. Um, because you look back to that earlier meeting, that was Vlatko's only... It was his only draw, and the fact that it was, again, a 38th-minute goal from Sweden, they were more than content to sit back and see that game through defensively, making it as ugly as possible. And then, you know, if it weren't for that late penalty from Megan Rapino, you know, they're looking at that loss dead in the face because it wasn't like they were creating a ton of chances and missing all of them. They, you know, the Sweden stifled them. Um, it was it was not the most, it wasn't the easiest matchup for them. So now the U.S. women's national team gets a chance to right that wrong. Um, even though they're still technically undefeated under Vladko, um, they can get that drawback and turn it into a into a big win for them. And really, if they get the three points in this game, uh, it's going to be hard to see them losing the group the rest of the way. Looking at the rest of the group, the second matchup, um, three days in between New Zealand. Um, New Zealand actually have you know Ali Riley and Abby Urseg two incredible defenders Abby Urseg for North Carolina Courage Ali Riley now finally in the NWSL with the Orlando Pride um they have they do have them at the back but even those center backs can only do so much with the U.S. women's national team they put so much pressure on you right they're going to practically be in New Zealand's half uh, for most of the game and the last time these two teams played it was a 5-0 result so I don't think you should expect much different, much of a different result this time around um, 5-0 I mean I would be even tempted to give the same scoreline I don't see how New Zealand can cope unfortunately um, they don't have much else in other areas other than those two superstar defenders so as, as fun as it is to hope and Pray that New Zealand has a good run at the Olympics. It, it might not happen again this year, unfortunately. Uh, so, a win over New Zealand seems likely. And then the Aussies last. Now, that's going to be a, another interesting matchup. The Aussies are um, tough. They are normally tough. We know what they can do with the Matildas. Um, but 2021 has not been kind to them. Surprisingly, they are not in good form coming into the Olympics. Um, a nil-nil draw against Sweden uh, uh, earlier this year, but then three losses, um, one to Germany, one to ne- the Netherlands, and one to Denmark, and they weren't pretty. I'm pretty sure they gave up five goals against the Germans and five goals against Holland, which means... They're having some defensive issues, clearly, and if those two teams can score five times on the Aussies, then imagine what the U.S. Women's National Team can do. It's really just how good is the U.S. Women's National Team's defending going to be in this tournament and their goalkeeping. If that's, if as long as you know Alyssa Nair does her thing and carries over what she did in the in the World Cup and what she's been doing till now. 
I don't see any issues again for, for the U.S. women's national team. It would be very tough to beat them. They, Australia is led by Tony Gustafsson, uh, one of Pia Sundhaga's lead assistants um, from her time when she was actually with the U.S. women's national team. So Gustafsson knows the U.S. women's national team a little bit. Um, I mean, again, that was a while ago, but he has at least some semblance or some idea about the identity of what the U.S. women's national team are going to try to do. With that being said, will it be enough? I am not sure. <laughs> Again, the U.S. Women's National Team was looking really, really good. And uh, I don't expect them to lose. I don't expect them to lose the whole tournament. But we have to, for the sake of debate, we have to take a closer look and say, let's look at this piece, look at this piece, and see if there really is one area where you know the U.S. Women's National Team can get beat, but it, it, it's so hard to find a weakness. And these three teams in their group, outside of Sweden, um, are more than beatable. So th- that's where it gets interesting going into the knockout stages, um, because um, it's three groups, and based on. Uh, the top two teams from each group will advance, so you have six teams, and then the top two third-place teams out of the three will advance. So you're looking at um, eight teams total to make a quarterfinal, right? Here are the groups. Group E features Japan, the hosts. Now, if they were going to have fans, this would be a huge home field advantage for them. And I think more people would be talking about them as being a a potential bronze to gold medalist. But with the new state of emergency that was just declared, unfortunately, it looks like all uh, spectators are not going to be allowed to to attend the Olympics, which is a, a very unfortunate sequence of events. And when you look at um Japan I I really think they would be doing a lot better if they had uh if they had fans Canada of course we know what the Canadians can do they're going to be coming with it every single time they they want to win right I know they've uh, had some close games with the US women's national team in the past in the Olympics so they will be coming Great Britain uh another potential winner here and then you have Chile so I think when you look at that group, very tough group, but Chile might be the team left out based on um, based on those top three, Japan, Canada, and Great Britain. Group H. Uh, group H uh, is probably the weakest of the three groups. You have China, who are always solid, um, but I don't think they have what it takes to, to be a contender uh, in this in this. Uh, round of the Olympics. Then, of course, you have Brazil, who are playing a lot better. Um, Christian is not going, but apparently um, Formiga is still going, so that's crazy, right? Eight Olympics, I want to say. Is that seven or eight Olympics? I mean, from age, yeah, age 15 to age 43, so that is 28 years. That is seven Olympics. That is absurd. Come on. Like, what? That is crazy, man. Eight Olympics? <laughs> like, that's that's a record that will never be anywhere close to touched ever again. I'm not sure we're ever going to see another player like Formiga again because the women's... Uh, we, uh, you know, the women's soccer is going to be so incredibly popular. There's going to be so many different players. I don't think we're going to have to see a player want to play until they're 43 anymore. They're going to be more than well, financially well off and doing well enough with their lives where they don't feel the need to play at age 43. I can't think of many players at all in any professional sports who are age 43 or older and having an impact the way that Formica is doing it. Incredible. So you have China, Brazil, Zambia. What a Cinderella run they they were to somehow qualify for the Olympics. Um, it's that might be one of those we're just happy to be here 
situations, although that match against China could be interesting for them to pick up some points and potentially snag a third-place spot if they do so. That's really going to be the game that Zambia has to look at as and say, hey, we need to get points from this game because Brazil is not going to be easy, and then the last team in the group, the Netherlands, are definitely not going to be easy. That's one of Europe's best teams. Of course, made it to the World Cup final against the United States. They're likely going to be the team, the top team out of this group. You'd have to think uh, in Group F. Then Group G, of course, as I just mentioned, the United States. We had Sweden, the United States, Australia, and New Zealand. Here's the important scenario to keep an eye on. If the United States win the group, they face the third place team from Group E or Group F. Okay, so if it's Group E, Canada, Great Britain, and Japan are those going to be those three teams like we mentioned. But who would finish third from that group? I have no clue. Like, like even if you ask me to guess, because any one of them could. It's going to come down to goal difference. It's in all likelihood. So with with this few uh, with this many teams, it's going to come down to goal difference. So no clue who's who. It's going to be in third. I get this weird feeling it might end up being Canada somehow with Japan having to play at home and Great Britain will top the group. That's what I'm feeling. Uh, setting up a, a crazy showdown in the quarterfinal between the United States and Canada. Um, but of course, if it's um, right, it's if it's the Group F team and not the Group E team, right? we can more closely assume that it'll be probably China. Um unless Zambia beats China because Brazil um, only has one loss in 2021 I think they finished second in the group and then the Dutch should top the group so if it's group F um, it could be China if it's group E you know one of the better teams out of that third place stage um, I think it could be I I get this weird feeling it's going to end up being Canada and we have the tougher matchup first Um, which is better because it'll just make it that much easier down the line I think um, as as you advance through. However, if by some miracle that the United States do not win the group, the other side of the bracket actually favors them a little bit more um, because you're looking at either a showdown with, I think, Brazil and or Holland, which, again, are two teams that the United States have done generally well against. I know the Netherlands will want revenge, and I know they've played in friendly since then, but the United States have always gotten the better of them. Whereas facing a Great Britain or a Canada or a Japan, those teams historically just have a way of, on on that given day, you know, giving the United States women's national team the most difficult matchup they could be getting. So I think it's just a very interesting draw. And um, it's possible for you know the US Women's National Team to lose I know it it doesn't like it's almost the expectation is that they're going to breeze through this thing right but we have to be realistic and accept and understand the idea that they could actually lose um, based on what you know a Great Britain team is bringing or what a Holland or Canada is bringing right Holland and Japan again want those want revenge for those World Cup losses. Um, and, you know, Great Britain and Canada just don't like the U.S. Women's National Team flat out. They just don't like them. You saw the England um, mocking the I believe that we will win chant, and you know that Canada does not like to play um, little sibling to the United States. So there's plenty of exciting storylines to keep an eye on um, this tournament, but I, I do think... You know, based on the teams that are in the field, the United States really should get this done. Hopefully, we get like some type of matchup with with Holland in the final, if possible. I would love to see that rematch because there, Holland is really the only team that the United States hasn't played all that much up until recently. Like they don't have a history of playing friendlies together or playing each other in tournaments. This could become a rivalry, a new rivalry. That would be cool. A new rival to the United States outside of 
and I mean, I don't even know if we can necessarily can't Canada as a rival because of how dominant the mad the the, the series has been. But Canada, Great Britain, certainly rivals. And if Holland could become a third one in this, as they take advantage of their golden generation with players like Vivian Miedema and Lika Mertens, like <laughs> Holland is Holland is going to be in the picture. So that it, it's an exciting prospect for the Olympics. Be sure. I mean, I know we're all going to be following very, very closely. With us covering the Olympics, now we move back to the domestic league at home, the NWSL season. Fareed Benstidi out as the OL Reign manager, um, resigning, and the whole situation doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. I People are saying they're unsure if Fareed is the guy... Uh, because of, of such and such, but if that was the case, that the move should have been made earlier. How are you going to give him this extra leash to keep managing after year one? You brought in all these new stars, and just to expect everything to work right away, I just don't... Like, there's got to be more to the story behind the scenes. Um, and it seemed more like a mutual agreement, but the fact is, I, I feel like the rain screwed this up, and it couldn't end up wasting... Like this, in the initial stages of this plan, this mega project, um, is is completely in jeopardy because, again, there's with so much turnover of players. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good those players are. It takes a year. It takes a year minimum. I don't know what the rain were thinking, right? Like, giving him this much time this year. Right, it's either you stick with him the whole year, or you know maybe half a season, three. But then, you know, I guess they they felt like they they could salvage it with the new manager. Um, so you know, I just don't get because it just doesn't match the progression. You know, they didn't do that great in the Challenge Cup, that's fine. But then come back in the Summer Series and look great. They started putting together real good play on the pitch, a real good product. And then all of a sudden you add in three new superstars into the mix from another country and all of a sudden the Sarah Buhati experiment isn't working out, right? <laughs> We're starting to learn real quickly. Uh, Sarah Buhati is, is a gambler. She <laughs> takes chances and she has been getting burned very frequently. And to, to be bringing in these aging stars, we're going to need time to get accustomed to the league. Does that almost help or hinder the development of your younger stars like a Ziara King, like a Bethany Balser? It should help them, right? Assuming they, they get along, there isn't a, a, a huge language barrier, but there's going to be. I'm sure there will be. So you've added a whole other wrinkle to this if you're the rain, thinking that it was just going to be this easy to, to bring these stars over and, and you were just going to start winning. Like, why would you just fire him? It just doesn't make sense. Or he resigned, right? So they both wanted to leave, but still. It's just after all that, um, if he isn't the guy, then who is? Assistant Sam Lady, who has been with the team since their inaugural season, could be the guy to do just that. uh, Lead this team to the promised land. I think um, sometimes the lower profile manager... Who has been around for the been around the team as an assistant for many years knows the ins and outs of the team so well knows the pulse of the team. It could be just what they need to right the ship. Now, you add in these new stars though, and it's still you still have to get up to speed yourself. So this is going to be a tough, tough job um, for Sam Lady. He is going to have his work cut out for him uh, going forward. But you know. It's a long season. There's six spots, so six of the ten teams will be getting an opportunity uh, to, you know, qualify for the semifinals, right? Top two teams get the automatic spot, and then teams three through six are going to duke it out. Three versus six, four versus five. So um, the Reigns still have an opportunity. They are currently sitting outside of the playoff picture, but can very easily work their way back in depending on how things go. On another... Note the opposite side of the spectrum, the North Carolina Courage team I love talking about. They are also back with a vengeance, y'all. Three wins and three clean sheets in their last three games. Starting to look like their old selves. Havana Salon, very impressed with her. One player of the week honors. Um, 
and is really coming into her own. I think has done a great job in filling that role of what Lauren Millier did. She was plucked by Racing Louisville. And so you go and get Havana Salon, Jamaican Team International, has been doing a great job for them. Especially getting that 2-0 win over Portland. Um, That's huge. Both top three teams um, and really just kind of showed that um, we are still here. Like, we are still here to be feared. And considering how Portland had been playing, I think that 2-0 win uh, was a very, very impressive one. Um, Portland is still playing better. Expect them to be a top four team. Um, Mark Parsons, they continue to roll. The Pride have slowed down a little bit, um, a little bit, and now we're going to see how they deal with the departure of their stars, right, Marta and Alex Morgan. I think Orlando will still do well to have Sydney LaRue there. I think she's going to play a big role for them um, over this Olympic period. Other big news, Gotham FC. Um, they're doing well. They are doing well as a team. But it was a bit of a shock to see Elise, Elise LeHue away from the team for personal reasons. Uh, shocking discovery with no real resolution in sight. Um, it's a worrying situation. It really, really would be a shame if she had to step down after creating something so special. Turning this franchise around from when they were sky blue to now Gotham. She literally built this team from the ground up. So it would be a shame if she wasn't around to like... Have a first, have a first row seat of what she's built. You know that would be unfortunate. Hopefully, things in that situation will come, will be okay. Whether those details come to light or not, we will never know. But hopefully, at least Lahue is okay. Things are good with her and her family, and everything is fine. And she's just taking some time off that she needs to take. I wanted to also touch on Louisville. Um, Firmly in a playoff race themselves when no one really gave them much of a chance this year. I did say it on the last podcast and I will say it again. This team, I said it What in terms of what they were building when they first came out of the expansion draft. No one wanted to believe me. I caught flack on one of the articles that I wrote before the season saying, they literally quoted my comment saying, yeah, no one believes out about Louisville that they have, they're going to have a decent team this year. And here you go. Here you go. So, um, a perfect result from a couple weeks ago over Chicago. Three key, three of their key players scored in a 3-0 win. Ebony Salmon has taken the league by storm. She is so much fun to watch. Then you have Yuki Yuki Nagasato creating chances and being so technically sound, scoring as well. Um, But the player that I think is really going under the radar for Louisville is Savannah McCaskill. Um, Quietly having one of the best years of her career and added the last goal in that 3-0 win. She's made so many strides in terms of her improvement um, to the point where she's not just a rookie coming into the league. She is now a vice captain for Louisville. Savannah spoke with us at GSN about her career path and what drives her, along with how things have been with Louisville. This is a GSN special with Racing Louisville star, Savannah McCaskill. So, Savannah, how are you doing personally, professionally, things within the team, and how does it feel to be a part of a new organization? Um, it's been a kind of a breath of fresh air to be... Um, here in Louisville, here with a new group of players um, and with a club that is just really, you know, dedicated to providing us with whatever we need, whenever we need it, um, while also making sure that they're holding the standard of us, you know, earning it at the same time. Um, So it's been really nice. Um, The new facilities here are absolutely world-class. Training facility, stadium, um, everything like that has been the best that I've experienced so far as being a professional soccer player. So it's been really good. And considering, you know, you were with Sky Blue previously and then Chicago, do you feel like you found a real home here in Louisville? Um, yeah, I, I, I have so far. Um, I think it was a good step for me in my career to not only, you know, come into a new club and 
kind of continue to make a name for myself, but also transition from being on a team that is has a lot of veterans already and already has like an established leadership hierarchy, all that kind of stuff. So being able to come in and really, you know, kind of develop myself as a leader and really make an impact on a new on a new club and in a new city um, has been a really good transition for me. I think mm-hmm. to help me continue to grow as a player. Mm-hmm. And going back to you know all the way from your star days at at South Carolina from then till now where does your like what has motivated you to get to this point and where does your competitive spirit come from yeah um I mean I've always just been a super competitive person um ever since I was little I mean it, it didn't matter what the task was um I just had to be first I actually got a funny story I got in trouble as a kid um like small kid in elementary school, I would think that I would need to finish all of my tests first for some reason, <laughs> just like thought that that was a thing, I guess. So I, I would rush through my tests and make a little, little stupid mistakes. And my mom would be like, Sav, you don't have to be first at turning in your exams. Like you're not getting everything right because you're going so fast. And I was like, okay, but like, I want to, I want to win. I want to like be first. And she was like, that's not how it works. Um, but <laughs> So, like, it's just kind of always been a part of who I am. I just – I like to win. I hate losing. And um, as I got older and realized that soccer was what I really wanted to do, what I was passionate about, um, you know, was something that I just absolutely fell in love with. Um, My number one goal has always been to get with the national team and stay with the national team. So, you know, there's been ebbs and flows in my career of, you know – me performing really well and me kind of falling off. And I think over the last year, year and a half, I've really focused on what I can do to get myself back with the national team. Um, so everything from what I do on in the off season, you know, coming into training every single day and just putting forth effort to continue to get better and continue to grow. Um, that's just kind of always in the back of my mind. And now that you're at Louisville, you know, your role has kind of shifted with the team. You, A couple of years ago, you go from kind of a young rookie star to now you're a veteran leader in the locker room and vice captain. How do you feel about that with the added responsibility and how are you, how are you handling it? Yeah, um, I think it was a good time in my career to continue to challenge me with, with that, I think. You know, whenever I was in South Carolina in college, I kind of had a bit of a leadership role there um, and then kind of was on teams that had veteran players when I became a pro, so I didn't really have to do it as much. But I think it's been a welcome change and challenge for me. I think it's just making me better as a person and as a player um, to continue to push myself to be better as far as, you know, how I communicate to some of the younger players or how I hold myself to standards so that I can hold everyone else around me to those same standards. Um, So I think it it was a good time in my career to really challenge that side of my, of my game and who I am as a player. Okay. And you mentioned earlier about um, Louisville's facilities, how world-class everything is surrounding the club, but what are some other things you noticed that are different from your time right now with Louisville as compared to, your time in Jersey or in Chicago? Yeah. Um, I would say that there's a, there's a lot of things that are, I think not so much different, but just kind of some of the standards that Christy has set for us as a team. Um, as far as, you know, we're, we want to high press, we want to outwork teams, you know, we're not going to let that standard drop, whether it's in training in games, you know, how we go about things. Um, that's just kind of embedded in our team culture and who we want to be as a club. Um, and I don't think that that's the case for a lot of, a lot of clubs in the league. I think, you know, it's really easy in this league to just kind of, it's a long season, you know, just kind of go through the motions. Um, and, you know, hope you can get some results and hope you can rely on your talent to get you some results. But, I think, you know, here being a new club with a new group of players that a lot of which are young, which are have a lot of talent and have a lot of, you know, upside to them. Um, but we also have to, you know, be 
willing to do the hard work and the dirty work, and that's going to win us games sometimes. So I think that's been kind of the most important thing that I've, you know, seen from this this group of players and this, you know, this organization is that we're not going to let that standard drop no matter who we're playing against, what the situation is, whether we're up 3-0 or down 3-0, you know, we just continue to work hard and continue to grind and continue to grow as a group. Yeah, you know, that standard that you talk about has you guys in the thick of a playoff race right now. Um, right. Yeah, and so what's the the mentality and, like, how determined are you guys to make history as an expansion team to get to the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, me personally, I that's my number one goal for the season is I want to get us to playoffs. I want to, you know, help this group of players reach their full potential, and I think that's very realistic for us. I think that we, um, you know, we talk about, as a group, we talk about not wanting to just be another expansion team and another team that's like, all right, well, you know, it's our first year, you know, we can go about, go through the motions, have any students to rely on if things don't go so well. You know, we don't really like that. We don't want, we don't want that to be the case. We're all a group of players that, and, you know, coaching staff and I, honestly the club as a whole of just you know, competitive people. So we want to win and we don't, we don't want that excuse of just going through the motions and, you know, we're not an expansion team and, you know, woe is me kind of thing. We, we really want to make a statement on who we want to be going forward. And I think, you know, where we are right now on the table is a great start. And I think over the next three or four months, I think this group of players can really come together and get some results and, get into playoffs. I think that's a very realistic possibility and something that um, we're striving for. And would you say like that same mentality changes at all when some of the international stars are about to go away for the Olympics or is it really just, we're going to keep doing what we're doing and not focus on anyone else? Yeah, it's more along the lines of we need to control what we can control. Um, Obviously, you know, some teams are going to be hit hard with, missing players, but as we found found out last weekend against Portland, they were missing, you know, four or five of their main stars, and we still lost. So we can't really get ahead of ourselves of thinking of, you know, oh, lineups are going to be different, all that kind of stuff. We really have to rely on focusing on us and continue to grow as a group and focusing on one game at a time in order to, you know, get, get in playoffs. That's going to be huge over this next two months is, whether we can get results or not. And I think, you know, it will be an injustice to ourselves if we start under overlooking teams um, instead of just going in and focusing on ourselves and getting the job done. Cool. And what would you say, if you could pick one moment, what's been the best moment of your career so far? Um, I mean, that's pretty easy. It's definitely – the, my first cap with the national team um, that gave me a taste of where I could be and what I want to get back to um, so you know my first cap right out of college getting subbed in um, that's kind of a moment that I'm never going to forget but it's also something that gave me a taste of what that life is like and what the level of play is like to be able to get there not only get there but then to stay there so that's kind of just something that Give me a taste of it and just makes me want to get back there even more. And as someone who is, is so determined and as competitive as you are, what is your advice to all the young girls out there trying to make it to the pro, to the college level? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was that I was never shy about what I wanted and, and my goals and my dreams. Um, and I really just kind of did whatever I I needed to, to get there. I, you know, some people, it's very easy to set your goals and dreams lower just so that you don't fail. I think the most important thing that you can do is to set your goals and dreams and ambitions high and then your work ethic and what you do on a day-to-day basis has to meet that. And I think I learned that partly the hard way, Um, especially coming out of college. You know, I thought my talent was going to get me had gotten me to the pros, so I could continue to kind of ride that wave, and I learned very quickly that that's not enough. So, you know, I could have either set my goals and dreams at that moment lower and just kind of been through life as, you know, being an average pro, or I could change it and, you know, really continue to 
reach my what I really want in life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of something that I had to realize the hard way. But, you know, it's made me a better player and a better person. Again, that was Savannah McCaskill, star striker for Racing Louisville. Again, getting the opportunity to talk to her was awesome. I think she is um, one of the bright young stars in the game who has continually um, gotten better. And even when I'm sure she had her doubters, she's really coming into her own now in a situation where that locker room is not going to be broken. It's going to take a lot to, to really break the mentality and spirit of that locker room. And she's playing a big role in that as vice captain, not only being a leader, but scoring goals, creating goals, um, and showing a little bit more in her toolkit in terms of skills and ability on the ball as well. So um, she's been really impressive and excited to see how she continues to grow. Hopefully one day the national team will come calling again for her. In other NWSL news, Diana Matheson calling it quits. What a career that woman has had. 18 years with the Canadian national team. Second in caps for Canada, only behind Christine Sinclair. And is tied for second in assists for her country with 23. One of the best midfielders Canada has ever produced, without a doubt. Uh, Her ferocity and technical ability will be missed tremendously. Kansas City never got to have her play this year, but... Um, I think they also released a statement acknowledging uh, her greatness. And, um, you know, I always loved watching Diana Matheson. Like, loved watching her on the pitch because she is ne- she has never been the biggest player out there. Never. But through sheer desire, determination, and technical ability, she has made a name for, himself, for herself unlike any other Um And then not only that, she knows she wants to be involved with the game afterwards. And her ambition is to get an NWSL team in Canada or a Canadian domestic soccer league, which would be really awesome. Um, That league itself might take a little more talent away from the NWSL, but that would help the sport grow tremendously in Canada. And if they have the money for it, they totally could pull it off. The question is, like, what's better? a couple, and I, I feel like a couple NWSL teams from Canada um, would be nice for them to be a part of the league rather than Canada going and making their own league. That might be too much. That might just be a little too much for right now. Um, I think, I mean, in terms of the, it might be too much for the NWSL um, to have a whole nother league being this geographically close, like you need to have Canadian teams in the NWSL the same way the MLS did with teams like the Vancouver Whitecaps and so on. This was a story I think not a lot of us were expecting to happen so soon. Olivia Moultrie debuting at 15 years old, the youngest player in league history to ever do so. Of course, you know, the the judge ruled in her favor um, after all of the legal work and Rightfully so. I mean, people are going to say that, like, she's entitled and and because her family has money and whatnot. But, like, bottom line is she wants to play. She She's good enough to go play. There are other kids around the world uh, who are 15, 16 playing in academies and playing for making their debuts for English clubs, right? Ebony Salmon is 20 years old, right? So she has been playing for quite some time over in England before she came over here. Right, no eligibility issues there over in England, so I get I get it that our culture is a little bit different, but like, come on now, it's it's really simple to to let her get out there, and, and then when I saw her run out onto the pitch, you actually can see she physically looks ready. It's not like when she was thirteen, she's growing into her body and looks like she's gonna be totally fit the bill when as she, and she's only gonna continue to grow. Um, you know, was really cool was Mark Parsons gave her a little bit of confidence before she went into the game. Uh, he said he was like, "Go be you. Don't be nervous. You're ready for it." And that was exactly what Moultrie said she needed to hear going into that game um, to make her debut. So 
again a really technical player who again we did even though she she filed that lawsuit there was no way we thought she was going to be playing this soon no way <laughs> literally that same day like almost that same day of the day after it's like yep we're going to put her in and she didn't even know either which was pretty cool um so the thorns i think knew the second that they got this opportunity that this was something they were going to do kind of blew all of our minds really to see her out there making history awesome awesome stuff like really like this is just like she's opening so many doors for the rest of uh the world um not just the rest of the world but like i mean yeah younger american kids who who want to make it and can push themselves to get to a level when they're five six seven to understand hey i want to get to this level and i can keep working towards it um olivia moultrie is absolutely evidence of that with her perseverance and ability to just continually press on in her journey to become one of the best ever players like i know she's nowhere near done nowhere near she's gonna have such an opportunity to have a great career as long as she continues to learn and grow and get better lastly before we depart um angel city came out with their logo and uh the soul rosa logo i love it with the pink um everything about it is meant to have some type of meaning uh there was certain parts where there's like the wings sticking out of the crest which means that the team is trying to break free from from traditional ideas um you have kind of like an angle a 22 degree angle on the top of the crest to kind of represent the 22 uh, players that will be on the pitch as well as the inaugural season uh, for the team which will be 2022 so that was you know pretty cool they kept the bottom of the crest to kind of uh, maintain your traditional football crest but I think that plus the whole idea with the angel was really really cool so again the angel city logo so far so good things look great um, the, I think you know the next thing that we're all waiting for is when are we going to get this on a jersey right like that's the thing we are all waiting for when can we get this bad boy on a jersey because that is nice and to think about like a potential black and pink duo or and then like a pink and black alternate oh my god sign me up for those i am getting a jersey so fast that's the other thing the jerseys are just gonna sell out immediately how who is gonna be able to get their hands on one Right? Like, if it's going to be straight from the team website, are we going to have a Portland Thorns type situation where i got to buy a regular jersey and then personalize it to get the player that I want on the back with their number? <laughs> I, I That's one thing that that's good but also bad. Really great that we have that much demand, but bad that we don't have enough to supply it at, at this present time. But still, I'm excited for when they drop the jerseys. We're coming up, man. 2022, Angel City will be here. Uh, so it's, it's super exciting for the league. We cannot wait. All right, that is it for episode 42 of Give and Go. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much for tuning in. Again, all the latest, download this podcast, subscribe, share as much as you can. Leave us a review. And then, of course, go to www.girlsoccernetwork.com for all the latest news analysis information. We got you covered. All right? Talk to you guys soon. Peace.